continue? You've listened to a long and complex case, murder in the first degree. A premeditated murder is the most serious charge tried in our criminal courts. You've listened to the testimony. You've had the law read to you and interpreted as it applies in this case. It's now your duty to sit down and try and separate the facts from the fancy. One man is dead. Another man's life is at stake. If there's a reasonable doubt in your minds as to the guilt of the accused, a reasonable doubt, then you must bring me a verdict of not guilty. Now, if, however, there's no reasonable doubt, then you must, in good conscience, find the accused guilty. However you decide, your verdict must be unanimous. In the event that you find the accused guilty, the bench will not entertain a recommendation for mercy. The death sentence is mandatory in this case. Downstairs. He says he heard the boy say, I'm going to kill you. And a split second later, heard a body hit the floor. One second later, right? That's right. Second. You walked into this room, you've been acting like a self-appointed public avenger. You want to see this boy die because you personally want it, not because of the facts. You're a sadist. You don't really mean you'll kill me, do you? Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Midweek Matinee. Ah, see, I see, I hate it because I always sound like you when I fucking intro this. I podcast. never told you to do this. You being, you being juror number thirteen, Brett Beck. I, How are you doing? I, 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 I don't know. I just, I just think he's guilty. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any reasons of why you think this uh, I, I young man thought is he guilty? Was guilty from the start. They didn't prove that he wasn't guilty. True. That's that's fair. Jury number 14, Blake Popes, how are you this week? I'm good. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing pretty well. I am juror number 15, Chris Figueroa. Not sure why I decided to introduce myself you last. You saved the best for last, you know. <laughs> and <laughs> I could have I could have been mm. juror number 0. I could have been anything I wanted. The world was my oyster. Now you fucked up. So this week on I guess Technically, we didn't watch 12 Angry Men on Midweek Matinee, but we did all watch 12 Angry Men this week. If you saw our last episode, it was Into the Spider-Verse, and we kind of pulled a little bait and switch on you, where we said we were going to watch 12 Angry Men, and then Blake Blake was a tired little boy. So uh, <laughs> we decided to watch uh, Into the Spider-Verse, because as we so plainly made clear on that episode... I didn't want to hear any of Blake's bullshit. Blake, how do you... <laughs> what is your opinion on Into the Spider-Verse, Blake, since you weren't on that episode? It's a good movie. Yeah? Yeah, I like it. It's fine. And this is, as I said, didn't want to hear any of Blake's bullshit. <laughs> but this is, this is this week. That was last week. Blake, how did you like 12 Angry Men? Oh, man, I fucking love this movie. I knew you would. It's I, so fucking good. <laughs> I told when I decided weeks ago that I was going to pick it, and then ended up not picking it. But whatever, I, we're watching it now. I was like, Blake's Blake's gonna Blake's gonna come when I decide to pick this movie. I'll be the I was one. So happy you picked it. I immediately went to Amazon and ordered the Criterion <laughs> version of it. <laughs> Spent twenty dollars when I had the movie available to watch. It was an excuse but, to finally buy it. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, this is a, one of those classics. Um, Brett, how did you feel about 12 Angry White Men? That 12 was, Angry uh, Men, sorry. 
Also not wrong. <laughs> no, it, it is wrong because there is actually a there Hispanic absolutely. man on the jury, if I'm not Well, look, I'm going to tell you regardless, mistaken. that was oddly racially charged. Yes. That's as much as I'll say. <laughs> the movie or my Blake comments statement. about the movie? <laughs> Fair. What was my statement? 12 Angry White Men. Chris that said that. <laughs> Brett, how did you feel Son about 12 Angry Men? Apparently, yes, <laughs> apparently, I can't hear, so it must have had detrimental problems to my hearing. Um, <clears throat> well, that would make you <laughs> a bad juror. But loud as movie. we all know, I'm a hung Lots juror. Of explosions. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus fucking Christ. Christ. <laughs> the episode's over. We're done. <laughs> it's over. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Oh, I'm so oh, angry that I didn't think that of that so joke easy first. And I, yeah, man, that's <laughs> off, dude. God it's okay, it. guys. It's okay. <laughs> we all can't uh, wake up with a 12-inch dick swinging. Uh, that's not me either, just to throw that out there. Uh, what I meant by hung juror is uh-huh. uh, aggressively medium-sized juror, but that's okay. We're going to keep going on this train, and uh, I'll say I didn't know what to expect when you chose it. Because I'd never heard of it. And I know that there's probably someone out there. Which version You've did you never like heard this? of the all-time classic taught in high school? You've never <laughs> went to high angry school in Texas, Arkansas, good sir. Yeah. I'm ne- sorry. You just read the Bible every year, I guess. Either. I don't know. We just went to, uh, we just went to trailer parks <laughs> and did coke, meth. Uh, we had a... <laughs> I coke? feel like... Fucking yeah, coke in trailer parks? They're really nice. See, look, cost of living around here is really low. (laughs) So, you know, you just have a a good. You have the excess that you need to be able to just go out and and have a good time every now and then. Now, most most of the time, it wasn't the expensive stuff. You know what I mean? But every now and then, you got to just ride the white pony. Yeah, yeah. Um, But no, uh, (laughs) yeah, I'd never heard of it, and we definitely did not get taught anything about it in school. So, uh, it was that an English assignment or Mm. what? Okay, it would have been yeah. I yeah, we didn't. So. I didn't okay. learn about it in school either. <clears throat> I mean, I didn't either, but that's because I didn't do any schoolwork. But <laughs> I definitely was Fair. taught it in high okay. school. Okay, <laughs> well, yes. Go ahead. So, Brett, real quick, what <laughs> version did you like best? <laughs> so the interesting thing is, is I really, I'm, I'm not joking at all. I'm gonna go back and finish the one I first started watching. So, long story for anybody who's moderately interested. We were watching. We were supposed to record the other day. I was watching. I was about 20 minutes in. When I had to pause it for a second, and I saw forty-two minutes, <laughs> I said, "What is this?" And then I went back and looked. <laughs> this is very much in line with me as a person, though, so I'm not surprised you weren't like, "Yeah, that makes yeah. sense." <laughs> so I stopped. And I said, "Guys, I think I might be ro- watching the wrong one." And immediately, both answers were the wrong one. Like that was not even possible. So thank you, guys. <laughs> We didn't know. And now here's the problem. I knew the movie was old, black and white, (laughs) and from the fifties. So when I typed in one, two angry men, and the first thing that came up was Twelve Angry Men from nineteen fifty four, and nothing else regarding Twelve Angry Men showed up. I was like, okay, this must be it. Clicked it, started watching it. I knew from (laughs) just looking it up the other day when you mentioned it that it was about jurors. So I was like, this checks out to me. Yeah. Now, the interesting part about that is watching after 20 minutes of the 1954 one, when I started the 1957 one, which apparently was the real movie, the 54 one was a television, a TV play, whatever you want to call that. And um, 
Yep. The most immediate thing that came to me was this is very similar. Like, you know, we often see media get updated and rebooted and, you know, done again. Normally, 10, 20 years out <clears throat> nowadays, it's very it's not very often that you see something done and then done again in a very short manner. But back then, I'm sure yeah. it was more of a, hey, let's put a real budget behind this and get something that's more feature length and whatnot. But they were, they were very similar. And then Blake actually mentioned from doing a little bit of research that they were both written by the same man. Yeah, yeah. well, I... From from what I was reading, the 1954 was the original because it wasn't. It was released as a book later, but it was a play. So 1954 was the play. 1957 yeah, and I, was clearly because the, the movie's longer. I'm sure they cho- they decided to kind of chop some th- certain things in different directions and kind of. I mean, I think the essence of it stayed true, but I think that they tried to give more reasons for certain people to be certain ways and try to build towards things. I think that that's yeah. uh, part of why I'm really interested in seeing the other one is that one of the things y'all know I love in movies is, and a, a lot of movies do it, but set up and payoff. And I was really surprised to find a lot of set up yeah. and payoff in the version that we ended up watching completely. And I'm curious to see if that same thing existed in the more play form of it or due to its more shortened length, if they felt like they had the way to cleverly weave that in or not. So I, I'm, I'm curious if it stayed intact mm-hmm. or if that was uh, something that came with the bigger budget and longer runtime. And I, I was honestly, I had no problem with the actress in the 54 one, but I think it's fair to say that there was a, a better girth of, uh, you know, acting chops. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad that you had a experience with 12 Angry Men, but how about you finally tell I me did. if you liked the movie or not? <laughs> oh, see, so oh, you did. I didn't yeah, get a clear yeah. uh, picture of it. <clears throat> I'm glad. Oh, I, see, <laughs> I thought you said that you were saying I did tell you. So then I'm like, well, I know you fucking didn't. But okay, whatever. <laughs> My apologies. So, Brad, um, did you like the movie? No, he fucking <laughs> hated it at this point. So, Chris, like, we have to ask you, bugs. Did you like the movie? Oh, yes. Yeah, no, I loved it. I thought it was fucking excellent. I watched it two more times after Holy I finished shit. it on Monday. I almost rewatched it again today. I just didn't have time. Yeah. No, today I like got this. I got I there. There was like twenty minutes of my day where I'm like, oh shit, I have COVID. I started sweating. I was freezing cold. I couldn't stop shaking, and I had a, a headache, right? Jesus. So I'm like, I'm just going to sit down and watch 12 Angry Men till my mommy gets home with the pizza. So I can get and- her. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get for bringing me so, artichoke um, and spinach. You know, what the? F- you know, it was actually uh, Cajun. It was uh, had some sausage, a little bit of spice, and some shrimp. Delicious. Anyway, yes, no, I, I, yeah, like I said, I thought I was getting sick. I was fucking just laying there, shaking. Um, I just watched the movie over because I just really enjoyed it. It's a very tense experience. That's what I think is fascinating yeah, about I this agree. movie. And for a movie that is literally only in one spot and mm-hmm. only dialogue, the the tension and character building and even some of the shots were really great especially for the time too in black and white 1957 <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah it, it was really beautiful with the black and white and the lighting and stuff yeah there was no point where i was like 
this would this would be better in color it would like like yeah. realistically it would be better in color right like you want to well i think at a certain point you you kind of see a little bit more emotion like i would really love to see juror three yelling in color you sure. know just see his face flush all that because you, you get more yeah. of like uh that kind of emotion which for all i know it's a benefit of black and white where we can't see that he isn't flushed he's well, just acting yeah m- yeah maybe you know one of the you know interesting I mean things that. about that too though is that you know it did happen to be of the time regardless of even if that was shot today as a black and white movie the use of sweat to show tension building and tension rising as the thing went through and then as more people started to come to the other side kind of like the everybody suddenly cooling yeah. down and everything it, that was nice and it gave a different mm-hmm. kind of weight to the movie where yeah we didn't get to see the typical signs that we look for in modern media but we still had something that as humans we just identify with like you know seeing someone sweat not only because it's hot but also seeing eventually someone sweat because oh shit you might be right (laughs) is is nice it's a a really good build toward the overall finale of the movie exactly the heat was really well done like it I started to sweat because they were sweating so much. So I was like, fuck, is it hot in here? Yeah. Although I I thought it was super weird that they never tried the light switch. I'm like, that's what the fan is on is the light yeah. switch and the lights have been off this whole time. What what do you mean? I guess if it's daytime and there's so many windows and I don't know. I'm used I guess, to, I always turn well, lights on, but I I, yeah. well, I, I see, see like my house is not. fairly old. I mean, uh, you know, 20, 1926 is when it was built. It's got a bunch of very big windows. So the primary living areas, not the bedrooms, uh, but the bedrooms too, but we just happen to have everything covered on those. But the primary living areas, we don't really have blinds and stuff covering as much. And during the day, I don't need to turn light. So, I mean, it, it is weird, but I think that's yeah, another thing no, about black and white, though, is that it wasn't obvious that they were that they were in a dark well, room yeah. because you can't see how the light is affecting everything around until it's suddenly added. You don't notice that it's gone, but you would in color, I think. Right. And I guess you could also look at it as a very small detail of the mindset of them yeah, when they were, gonna, were coming we're into the gone. room. Where they're like, this is going to be so fast, I'm not yeah. even turning on the fucking lights. <laughs> you know? Which is cool. Um, so anyway, I want to start this off with, uh, who's your favorite juror? I think the obvious answer is juror A, right? I mean, that's not my answer, so I guess not. juror A? <laughs> no. Brett. Oh. Eight. <laughs> Davis. Davis. Yeah. Played by Henry uh, Fonda. Henry Fonda. So here, here's going to be the run-in. I was never Early. getting a clear thing. I'm trying to think like in the order of where they were. Um did you say juror no, 10? So no, 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 no. <laughs> um, I, I was digging the old guy who I think is nine. I forgot about it. McCardle, yeah, juror nine. So the really other great. one that I really liked uh, was, I think, on the other side of the racist one. So juror 11 would have been him, the guy who was a, um, a, a migrant, you know, immigrant to the country. Mm-hmm. I will say, Juror 3 isn't my favorite juror, but he might be, like, the best to watch. Yeah, I would You know what I mean? Like, just his character? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, I, mine was... my I, I, I was a little split between Juror 1 and uh, Juror 12, but Juror 12 okay. was mostly just... He made me laugh every time he came on screen. Yeah, constantly going back and forth. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, but he guilty. was also, like... 
very much um, a salesman where it was like the one conversation he had that stuck out with me was he was talking to I believe it was I want to say juror four maybe towards the end where he's like uh, talking about this he's like oh yeah I'm telling you did I tell you that I worked at an ad agency and he said that that like 18 times (laughs) that was to 11 I just cracked up when he said on the other side of him yeah I like that too so I think juror 12 uh, juror 12 did have my favorite line of the movie when did he's he? talking I think he's talking to juror 1 and 11 maybe or just 1 but he says now throw it out on the stoop and see if the cat licks it up <laughs> well, yeah. what the fuck is that <laughs> I liked it but that actually makes a ton of sense and I almost think I'm going to use it in my real life Oh, I, t- makes, I looked at makes... Haley immediately and was like, that's mine now. I'm going to use that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I liked about it, too, is that he kind of preloaded that earlier in the movie when he was like, you know, when we get to these kind of points in, a, in an ad meeting, because, you know, I work in an ad agency. When we get to these points in the meeting, uh, you know, yeah, we'll yeah, have yeah. a guy who'll just stand up and be like, you know, it's uh, just coming off the top of my head. And, uh, you know, let's uh, put this up on the flagpole and see if anybody salutes it. Yeah, so, yeah like but he was too. making a joke, and good. then he leaned into it. And if you notice, that. the a couple of the other jurors who were in on what he was talking about kind of like laughed a little bit, and then he kind of smiled and broke from what he was doing. Yeah, it was a nice little mm-hmm. little setup scene. Yeah, twelve was good. Yeah, no, I'm I'm like like Blake said, I'm glad that none of us chose juror ten. <laughs> <laughs> I would quit the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I think juror ten for what he was saying was very well acted oh yeah you know? the actor did a great job like i'm not yeah. hating on the actor, sure just to the act that well you almost have to be a little racist yourself <laughs> i'm kidding I'm <laughs> look <clears throat> i don't know any of these people but given it was 1957 i would have to imagine all of them are a little bit racist except maybe juror five <laughs> <laughs> i mean yes <laughs> Agreed. So, why, why so juror, did you guys think five? the? So this is <clears throat> uh, because I'm pretty sure Juror Five is also Hispanic. They didn't they didn't say it in the movie, but just given the the way he was so affected by the like way that Juror Ten and most really all of them were talking about people from the slums and people because he was like, oh, you know, you're talking about people like me. So to me, I just that just implied to me that he was also Hispanic. Well, but see, I guess I it's interesting that Ray's came in that, that because, of course, I picked up off of the movie again because I didn't want to finish it the other day and be days removed from it. So I decided I was going to watch it as soon as I got home from work, which is what I did. Um, so I picked up like 20 minutes into the movie again. But I remembered after seeing it twice, the beginning setup. Um, so I yeah. honestly at that point had even forgotten. And I almost wish that it would have done like the original 54 one did and didn't show you who the person was. Um and even though that same dialogue was still in there. And what I took that to be was a little bit more of a classism statement. So when I'm watching this whole movie, I'm, I'm not saying that he he definitely comes off and says things that are definitely along the lines of people who are racist, but that's just because any kind of prejudice kind of uses the same trigger word. So I kept viewing it as more of him looking at things from a class perspective. And that's, you know, when we see Juror 5 talk about how he came from all of that too, I just, I, that was where my mind was going. But to be fair, like y'all mentioned, this movie actually does go out of its way to show the person on trial for just a split second. And that 
definitely could change the intention behind it. Whereas since I was on the one that didn't show it, you don't really know who it is. There's no implication of their race. There's a lot of implication more about where they live and how they live, which to me sounds more like when people be like, but you live in the ghetto or you live in blah, blah, blah. So sure. I I mean, you could definitely Mm -hmm. say there's some, I can't comment on that one. Fair, but it's just interesting to me that when y'all said it earlier, I was kind of like, huh, I guess he did kind of sound racist, but I didn't. Yes. Juror 10? Well, the reason I say that is because, again, I went through the whole movie thinking (laughs) of it as classist because of not thinking of and not connecting to the person that we saw since I originally didn't see him. Um, I didn't even bring that person back in until y'all had brought up the fact that it showed that the the kid who was apparently at trial was some form of minority and you know i mean and as blake says the back of the criterion case says that he's puerto rican so but yeah, yeah. so that's what i mean is, is but granted that's not really specified anywhere else i don't know yeah. if they got that from the Probably. detective the, the director like i don't think criterion would just throw it on there as like a well, <laughs> well, we'll take he, a guess, he looks puerto know, rican but. <laughs> <laughs> but see but that's my point is that what I was originally referencing about you know him sounding it is that before we ever even got started <clears> in the episode, y'all had mentioned Juratan and being racist, and then of course you have it on this little thing, and I was like, huh, yeah, I, did, I wasn't taking his statements as racist so much as classist, but I mean, all you really got to do is flip it to what is he, what's he bitching about? <laughs> I guess the the only argument I would have towards that, like I kind of I kind of get where you're coming from, even though I think. I disagree entirely, but I think the thing is, all of them were classist. He was classist and racist. Yeah, every person well, in this see, movie was classist, except except borderline eight and nine. Eight and nine. Uh, see, I'm about to say five is five. is the clear but, one because he was a big example. But I mean, even then, you could even look at, um, like you mentioned, nine who immediately stood up for them and was like, you know, hey, you know, truth is not something that you, that is supposed to be like a you're born into it or you you everyone has should have the right to be believed um but i mean there's a lot of things like you know we're not given any kind of well you're not born yeah, you know, into your class I mean, either <laughs> you, you I mean, yeah you're not of. no you're not you're not born poor you become poor you're born hispanic <laughs> well i just meant in the sense that like if your parents are poor that's what i'm about to say kid, yeah I, mean, like, I do think you're you born do into poverty it. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's not. I just mean that. I don't know. You can you can change your class. You yeah, can't change yeah. your race. I that's know, a, that's I, a better that's way you're trying to say for sure. Like, no, there's a, I'm. There's a big. I'm difference, just saying. But when the because to me when when someone says they're born that way, they're could, not. Well, talking you're thinking about the impetus class. means that you can't change it. Well, sure, but I'm. I've as a Puerto Rican, I've heard multiple times like you're born this way you're born that way i've never heard someone talk about where i was from because if they talked about where i was from they would address me as I mean, a white maybe. person i, I guess know? i mean i know that because i live in a white town so if if somebody who was saying that to me was talking about my class i would not they would not have used that those words to me or my father i know my father has gone through that too so sure and like i said the wording could definitely be different but i I think what Brett meant is just that, like, if you're born into a rich family, then you're rich, like, as a kid, at least, you know, until, you know. No, for sure. I get get where he's coming from. I'm more just arguing the fact that I think everyone was classist in the movie, 
I just yeah, no, think I juror or most ten people, was ob- was objectively racist, which is yeah, why sure. there's the scene of them all standing up and turning their backs on him, which I thought was slightly hokey, it but does, does yeah. what it needs to do, you know? Yeah. Um, there were a few scenes where like the entire room kind of did the same movement. Yeah, that were really good. Like they were all like shocked or in awe or whatever. At some certain points, it was good. Yeah, like the uh, juror eight pulling out the knife. Oh my god, best scene of the movie. It well, it was a really good scene. So yeah. fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I mean, unless we have any more to talk about there, I think we should probably. Does, any, does anyone have anything well, else to say on that topic? Well, really, I just, I liked all the jurors, like, as characters, you know, I enjoyed watching all of them. I think they were all mm-hmm. fleshed out. I don't think anyone was really left in the background too much. I, I would argue juror two, but. Yeah, I mean, juror two, yeah, I could see that. I think um, he was more there of just kind of like, I don't A know, kind of middle of the road, of, you know what I mean? Yeah, he seemed kind of like he was always there to be the reasonable voice in the room. Brett, I know that you had something you were about to say before Blake ever so rudely cut you off. Um, no, it's, it's okay. I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, okay. I was just going to mention that uh, what were you gonna say? much kind of like Blake was saying, they are all great, like, you know, in terms of watching, regardless of whether you agree with where they land on any sides of things, they were all very entertaining to watch. And I think what makes that really interesting is even <clears> though you're putting them in a singular location and realistically one room and one set and nothing's really changing – Part of what makes this movie so compelling is that you have 12 very different people. So, like, you have all yeah. – it's not necessarily an all walks of life thing, even though I do think it's it's fair to say that in this movie, I don't necessarily know that you'd be able to determine anyone's status based off of anything about them, primarily because this is just, you know, you're in court. In court, you're expected to dress nicer. Uh, just about the only thing that's yeah. said, and I, it was only really said to kind of put more of a input, uh, you know, push behind is when juror nine is mentioning the old man and his frayed clothes in court, and it was more to make a point mm. rather than to <clears throat> belittle talk him. So I thought that was interesting, and that a lot of what it is is just twelve yeah. very different personalities, and it's interesting that one of the mm-hmm. first ways they really introduce those twelve very different personalities is actually in a very homogenous moment of let's all just vote vote him guilty and get out of here. And it's only once juror eight kind of is the the black sheep that you kind of get to see everyone change it up and be what they want. You know, like oh now we're going to talk about who I am and why I believe this and why I give people the benefit of the doubt or what I view as important. Like, you know, you could look at, um, juror number, let me get this, make sure. But I think it was four. Yes. Juror four was kind of a holdout for a lot of the the movie. And you had this saying where it, what you kind of, for the majority of the movie had no real clue why he was being so obstinate. I don't even know if I'd say obstinate because he just looked like he was resolved in his answer. And then you finally get that thing of why he's like, you know, for me, it's just, I do want something that I can get past. And he brought up a good point of, you know, what about this testimony can be poked holes in? Cause if you can't, then I refuse to move my position. And I like that. You kind of get to see that across everyone mm-hmm. as things go, even the less serious characters like juror 12 or juror five, you know, yeah. or not five, um, seven. Yeah. Yes. Seven. Yeah. What I, what I think is interesting. See, Blake, you mentioned the knife as your favorite scene of the movie. And 
But I thought the best scene in the movie was Jur for being convinced of the kids, at least convinced of the reasonable doubt in the case. Yeah. That was a great scene. Realizing, like, oh shit, no, I don't wear my glasses to bed, and no, I cannot see through a train (laughs) (laughs) without my glasses. So much of that scene was built up well. Couldn't remember the movie details. Uh, So much of that scene Mm. was built up well specifically because of the fact that he is this more calm, reasonable person going all the way through, even whenever he's still one of the last three, eventually kind of four holdouts. And whenever Juror 10 goes on his rant and he sits there never moving and, and he says, will you guys listen to me? And he just has that, we did, or I did. Now sit down and don't open your mouth. It was, yeah. I, he had a very, very typical, like, I don't even say typical, he had a very flat, like I know what we what I think and this is it throughout the whole movie. So finally seeing that break and seeing that bead of sweat drop down his head after that yeah. setup line of uh you don't get hot, you don't ever sweat. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. It was it was great. You know, every bit of it and even just the way <laughs> yeah. that he kind of changes that steely resolve into like a almost whispered like I'm convinced. It was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no for sure. Um so what would you guys think innocent or guilty i mean it's just really hard to tell because we just you know i I would say not guilty in the case of being a juror because i think there are enough reasons to have reasonable doubt but just Mm -hmm. if you're just asking me if i think he's innocent guilty i really can't say like i mean we just don't have enough he seems innocent to me based on the conversation yeah i think that's a big thing about intent behind what the words innocent and guilty mean right you know you can look (laughs) at this movie and ask anybody what do you think they're innocent or guilty and really it doesn't matter because their answer doesn't really weigh on anything but when you're a juror and the duty that you're given is to only try someone as guilty if you feel like there is no reasonable doubt then yeah i mean it's it's very hard to watch this movie and not come away with a ton of reasonable doubt Right. Yeah. Um, what I found interesting through this movie and looking at it through that lens is uh, you you guys all, I'm assuming, listen to Serial, correct? I have no clue what you're talking about. No. I've listened to it before, but not 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 religiously or currently right, or anything. Well, but you listened to the first season? That's the only one I care about in this. What was the first season about? Sorry. That was Adnan Syed. No, I didn't. Oh, so maybe I haven't mind. listened to that we'll one. I don't move know. on. You guys ruined my entire point. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but whatever. If, if you have listened to Serial and you watch this movie, you'll see where I'm coming from where those two cases are basically... These two cases felt to me kind of the same where in that case... I feel like I know but, the case. The name of the... It's a young teen, right? Or maybe a young adult? Yeah. He, he was convicted of killing his girlfriend, but the case is based on one person's testimony and some shoddy sure. cell phone pings but i just thought it was interesting that this whole movie really mirrored serial and it really mirrored it when they were talking about the movies and one of the big things that they talk about in the first episode of the thing is how hard it is to remember where you were yesterday and what you did throughout the day let alone weeks later you know yeah so to me that was just really cool and i guess it just didn't have any effect on you guys so we'll move on but if you've if you've seen if you listen to serial and you've seen this movie you'll know well look i think Um, here's here's my big question in regards to this is i don't really think we need to go scene by scene throughout this movie i mean we could talk about parts that we really like 
Um, but I, I feel like it would mm-hmm. just be very odd. I mean, like, you know, you watch this movie, you know what you're getting. I mean, you can we can dig into certain parts, but it's not that complicated to follow, more so that it's just you're watching it. It's a, it's a fairly... W- w- the way I described it, because I put it in my notes, I really like this. It's the beautiful simplicity of seeing the events that, at least in modern movies and de- throughout recent years, but really I'd say throughout the last few decades, would be shown from the side of the drama inside the courtroom amongst the defense and the prosecution. But I really like whether it be because of mm. technical limitations or just because of the the unique aspect of changing the perspective, getting to hear all these things from 12 men who are not directly involved in any way other than being the jury was really interesting. And like you said, it puts you in a singular location and movies. A lot of the times will move locations to symbolize different things. You don't have that here. Instead, you have changes of the surroundings, like the lights coming on or the rain coming and these weird brief pauses where things are going on. And I really like that because like you said, you end up watching something that doesn't move or change a lot, but it feels honestly more interesting, more valid and more personal. And I guess even more real than most movies because of it. I think what's interesting about this movie is there's a lot of times where Henry Fonda (laughs) feels like the kid's lawyer and does a better job arguing the case. He mentioned that he had a public defender or he thinks he had a public defender. Yeah, And I think that's a big part of it because even if public defenders are really good and they really do want to help people, their workload is just so fucking over, like overbearing a lot right. of the times that like they just can't give every case their all. And it's unfortunate no. for the people that, you know, have to get a public defender. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was like, um, I mean, you have talked privately about like the Jody Arias case because of the podcast yeah. about it. And one of the interesting things like reading about that case is her public defender tried to get out of that case so many times you know right. <laughs> just because it's a fucking capital murder case where his job is mostly to make this very obviously guilty woman well, there was not like die pictures. in prison <laughs> like, yeah like, ob- like objectively <laughs> clearly guilty woman um but yeah i don't know i i, I really like that dynamic of fonda base or i'm sure eight basically arguing the case and the other guys having to put up with it you know yeah and i his his gambit of if if anyone votes not if everyone votes guilty again i'll vote guilty i liked that i thought it it was was very ballsy yeah although it would have made me laugh if the movie was (laughs) 10 minutes long (laughs) yeah it's kind of shitty if he's not guilty and you just like oh he gets sentenced to death because this juror wanted to play a fucking game with the rest of the jurors (laughs) yeah trying to prove a point and lost right so now someone's died (laughs) is that maybe that's a 1950s thing but i don't think it's that easy to get sentenced to death right like is that dramatized for the movie or was it really that simple back then murder was you very mean? i mean that that was the punishment i mean you know we're in a time where we don't think about it but there really was a point in time where the death sentence was used to its full extent not that uncommonly definitely in cases of severe crime like murder they said yeah. it was a case of premeditated yeah. murder so first degree right so that would be that's a death sentence yeah it can be it depends on the prosecutor what the prosecutor wants to go for 
if the prosecutor thinks that it's a home run, well, then he's let's gonna back go up for a second. I don't actually. Yeah, know but that nowadays, like I, I kind of agree with you on a whim. But now that I think about it, I mean, it seems like the whole movie was on the fact that even if he did do it, Juror Eight's you know beginning point before he even started breaking everything down was that you know it was more of like an impassioned killing, which would not be premeditated. It would be more that you had the opera, like, you know, you you did it in the moment. Um. Well, they mentioned he went out and bought a knife. And that's yeah, I think that I think the argument was premeditated m- okay. murder yeah, in enough, court. Yeah. But my point was not that premeditated murder gets the death sentence. My point was that now in every case I've read about, and I am a big true crime guy. It's the jury votes. Do you want to send this to life or death? And in this movie, it was like, yeah, if you find him guilty, he's dead. That to me felt weird. Yeah. You know, see, I thought because it's not that automatic nowadays. Gotcha. I th- I don't know. Maybe I'm confused. I don't know. I like thought- even even the case we just mentioned with Jody Arias, the reason she didn't get sentenced to death was because the jury couldn't decide. It was a hung jury twice, and if the jury can't decide twice, you're automatically get life. Right. So that was where I was confused here. Where I don't know. It could just be a '50s thing where if you kill someone, you well, die. I'm not sure which, what case y'all are talking about on the other but, thing. Um, but. At least I'm not understanding the name you're saying. If I do know it, and I just Jody Arias, the girl that killed okay. her boyfriend in Utah, the second hottest murderer Good. of all time. Chris, I love you, buddy. <laughs> you always find a way to make these things sexual, and I love it. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I'm not kidding. She's objectively the I second thought, hottest I murderer thought, of no, all who's time. Who's the first? <laughs> Casey I'm Anthony. not saying it out loud. Okay, what, Blake said say? it out loud. <laughs> I, oh, Casey, man. Casey I knew Anthony that was so what you were going to say. <laughs> And we're all in the green. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, and like this is definitely stolen from last podcast on left, but she's hot for a murderer. Like she's a seven in Orlando. <laughs> See, I don't agree. I think she's objectively hot. But I, mean, I, mean, I live she's in Connecticut, looking, yeah. so I don't live in Orlando. I live in the sticks. Connecticut. Anyway, <laughs> that is not what we're talking about on this episode of Midweek Bad Day. <laughs> We'll rank our rank our hot murderers. <laughs> so do we want to rate Jody Arias out of five stars? <laughs> five. Five for five for visuals, zero out of five for uh for dialogue and story. <laughs> anyway, back to t- twelve angry men instead of three horny men. Uh <laughs> God. Um, so for your question, I really don't know. Um I, I I mean, I know there was a point in time where it was much more, you know, (laughs) ubiquitous that you could get death sentence for certain types of mode. It also depends on state. That was a big thing. If I'm not mistaken, Texas used to be pretty liberal with their uh, use of. Yeah. And I got to imagine, this just, I mean, this is clearly New York, From the way that it's kind of being seen and talked about, I mean, I would say it's somewhere in New England. Yeah, it's confusing because Juror 4 is a stockbroker, so you would think at that time he was living in New York, but Juror 7 is a Red Sox fan, as far as I could tell. No, no, New York. So, yeah. Yeah, it's New York. Sounded, yeah. He sounded like he was from Boston, <laughs> but... <laughs> what I also found interesting about this movie is all of these people look like people I've seen in movies recently and not like old like them older but like the the versions of them in movies nowadays you know what i mean have you Say did you again, notice I'm that or am i crazy I... that these people all look 
like people nowadays that are oh. in movies uh, now you know uh, i would say if anything they are far below the line of what hollywood typically has people be in movies so i mean i'm just being honest like most of them had very these jurors are they, most of them had very like crazy hairlines that were just going very far back i mean it's just I, there was a point in time where i don't think hollywood was ob- as obsessed with looks as ours is and of course as it's always been it's not like someone mm-hmm. who's not um what do you even call that like conventionally attractive can't be a star they absolutely can it's just more of a yeah. nowadays i feel like it's more often that you're gonna look pretty good if you're doing these things and if it's not because you were naturally good looking it's because you became good looking with all that money <laughs> So, but I mean, yeah, (laughs) just because I decided to look it up, for example, you know, I live in a twin city. So Arkansas and Texas, I'm I'm like two minutes from Texas. Um, Mm -hmm. Texas, since 1982, has executed 570 people. Yeah, so my my point being is that state has a huge thing on it. And then also how states act within their, um, you know, within... Because uh, states will be one way yeah. and then eventually change as you know <clears throat> laws or whatever change you know sometimes political affiliation that may change the ideology that leads you towards wanting something like a death sentence will change within the states. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It just seemed weird to me that there was no like, I don't know. Just the fact that the second he's it, it, it they made it seem like the second he was guilty they were going to hang him in the courtroom, you know. Yeah, and that to me kind of threw me off. I was like, I don't think it works that way. <laughs> Maybe that was just their way to get people. I think to more of a just like you know, hey, put the you know put I mean? the weight on it. It doesn't matter if it's five days from now, six months from now. What the decision we make today yeah. ultimately determines the life of a man. Uh, I also yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm more thinking of like the judge mm-hmm. right at the beginning, you know, which is very quick. also. It's funny but we were talking about both way, versions. Pulls right? the what fucking guillotine out of the back. <laughs> Now go back there and decide. Well, you know how we were talking <laughs> about ahead, both Brett. both versions uh, from what I watched? The most immediate yes. thing that I noticed is that the judge in the TV play from 54 sounded much more like, this yeah. is my judgely duty to make sure that you understand the importance of the task being brought before you. In the <laughs> beginning of this movie, by contrast, I was like, this judge just sounds like he's like, go to the back of the room, make a decision blah 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 shadow of a doubt (laughs) i was like man this judge just seems like he's (laughs) done he's you know trying to meet his wife at whatever they had for tgi fridays back in the 50s (laughs) i was about to make a tgi Fridays. (laughs) we don't even have a tgi friday so i don't know why it was on my my brain i guess i've straight up never been there however my dad shout out to my dad has worked at multiple tgi fridays clones in his life so (laughs) yeah they're all the same chilies tgi fridays 99 red robin well red robin's probably the best of the crop um yeah i don't know i was really planning on anchoring this whole episode around my cereal thing because like you said there's not much to talk about so i don't really know where else to go and blake is not here so what do you think brett where's the next natural place to take this episode Okay. Uh, he said he'll be right back. You, you think he's pinching I'm one back, off? Sorry. Oh, look at that. Yeah, it's just fucking Casey Anthony is so <laughs> he fucking Googled hot. Her, had to mute real quick. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. 
want you to choke me too. Oh, I'm sorry. It's better than what I was about to say. <laughs> I shouldn't. So that works. Uh, I'm a lefty. Nothing that. gets my dick hard like killing babies. I was going to say he was over there trying to look on the dark web. Same. Pictures of Casey Anthony's choking baby. <laughs> Jesus, fuck. Just edit her face onto porn. Yes. Want to see your hot body? Oh man, the most. You know how people are doing. I don't think Brett gets that joke. How, but like, do you know how people? What are, Brett? Do you know how people are deep faking like singers and stuff? Like, oh, Miley Cyrus onto this porn star's yeah. body. How long do you think it's going to be before someone deep yep. fakes Casey Anthony's face onto a porn star? I'm sure it already exists. It's got. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's there. I mean, you can already see Jody Harris's butthole. Wait, so. what? Yeah, man, bad <laughs> Good lord, dude. I just, I just googled. I wanted to see right and just look and see if that had happened. And the first thing that came up was Casey Anthony. Wow. Feet. Oh my god. <laughs> I fucking hate feet <laughs> fetish people, man. Like you can have your fetish, but leave it me the fuck alone with it. The first result on Google for Casey Anthony should not be feet. It should be murder. <laughs> Not feet. Because everybody's Why like, is it look, feet? guys, we all know she's a murderer. We can agree on that. Now we got to get everybody to agree on these feet. <laughs> Does she have an OnlyFans and that's why? Hey, get that commissary money, right? She, she, would, make, <laughs> she would make some money. Uh, uh, so, okay, Chris, you were asking me where I think the best place to take this episode. Because you're right. I mean, this movie's really Correct. i mean on the surface of what it is there's no reason to go through every single one i mean you could talk about favorite scenes because i thought it was real interesting like i actually think one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie just before we move on because y'all have all both given yours of you know mm-hmm. seeing juror four finally crack and then of course um seeing juror eight pull out the knife that was so similar um but i thought that one of my favorite scenes of everything just coming together in such a, gr- a great way is when you see uh juror three um, come together to where he is uh, he's about to attack Juror 8 because Juror 8 kind of goading him on with all those things and uh, in one yes, fell swoop you have all of this stuff kind of come together like you prove your point about the time of the old man getting to the door <clears throat> like you have so much happening like that little minute window and then you have him mm-hmm. go over and uh, say he's going to kill the dude or whatever, and he grabs the knife, and it's the wrong knife. You have all of these things that come together where it's like, what about the knife? And he picks up the wrong knife and all these things. Uh, that, might, that might not have been at the exact same moment, but I feel like it was. So, um, But, yeah, I, mm-hmm. something about that was we'll amazing. Truth, it's like Brett. all of that stuff leading and kind of working together and then kind of seeing yeah. him back-to-back well, back make his own points when he's talking about the validity of the old man. He goes, well, the old man, who, who, you can't believe anything because he just wasn't certain anything. And you kind of just see him stop and be like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I really liked the um, like going off your point with juror three and juror eight fighting and then juror three goes i'll kill you and juror exactly. eight goes yeah but that's what i mean that. every bit of that was fantastic <laughs> it was just yeah and it was just so suave it was like i got as this dumb as it is yeah. i think that my actual favorite line of the whole movie and it's only to a singular person so only one person knows this but when he's when he's in the bathroom with uh <laughs> juror seven i think uh it might have been whenever he's in yeah. the bathroom with uh juror five but he's talking uh, he says that he's a fucking architect <laughs> i was like this man's over here bodying <laughs> people 
basically being a lawyer, <clears throat> convincing a whole room yeah. to where at the start of the movie, it's 11 against one, and at the end of the movie, it's 11 against one, but in his favor. This man has got the big dick energy needed to just be an architect and be like, guess what I'm about to build, boys? A motherfucking case! And it, oh, I love it. I love it. No, that was it was great, man. That's the thing. This movie really just the dialogue working so well and not needing because I think I think a twenty twenty movie would have exactly. a lot of flashbacks and mm-hmm. quote unquote reenactments, and this works and see, by just not having that. I think it would be an objective. Exactly, and I think that the time setting here matters a lot too, because even a juror's room in modern times would be filled with the same things. Well, can we watch that tape? Can we watch that? Can we view that picture? Because you have technology, but this is all about like here are facts that are being presented here's information being presented as facts and testimonials there's there's no other information to go off of this is purely just looking at what the possibilities are there's no cameras no nothing there's no need and so you just end up getting this very dialogue rich thing where it's people just kind of interweaving things and untangling different things apart and that's so much more satisfying than a movie nowadays which would of course like i mentioned earlier be in the courtroom it would be all about the drama. It wouldn't be about the sharpness of the dialogue as much as how, how, how dramatic of a swell can you make here? Can we go to a flashback and show it happening and make it dramatic? You know, you'd have all of that stuff. Instead, yeah. here you just have every bit of the movie really being carried by the dialogue and the characters within that room. That's it. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. That's why it's such a classic Immediate and withstands classic. the test yeah. of time because there's nothing... Yeah. Um, so Blake, how about you? What else do you got to talk about, my friend? You know, I think I'm not real sure. Just basically, like I don't know, like Brett said, how how that guy, how uh, Juror Eight, sorry, Davis mm-hmm. Henry Fonda turned the r- whole room like to root for him. Basically, it was just yeah. really good to watch throughout the movie, and just seeing everyone kind of take turns flipping. No, definitely. The only one um, that I was like rolled my eyes at was Seven. Because yeah. he just wanted to go to the baseball game. He's like, fuck it. Everyone's going not guilty. I'm going to go not guilty now because it seems like that's where we're headed. And I just want to Yeah, and then, the but game. that followed up with a great scene, <laughs> yeah. too, of Juror 11 coming over and being like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's that's not, you owe it more than that. Yeah. Like, you know, you owe a real reason. You Yeah. And it's funny because I like that because it showed, he had already shown multiple times what kind of guy he was. But I think that really hammered at home. Like, you yep. know, he's talking about all the privileges of being from somewhere else and coming and getting to see a democracy in action and the importance of the weight behind that. And it was just so great to kind of see him stand back up throughout all of that in this room full of Americans, as far as we can tell, people who were probably born and raised here. And we see this man who's come from elsewhere who's just, hey, he's like, he's like, hey, you know, this is the responsibility upon us. You don't get to, even if you agree with me, you don't get to just do it because it's convenient. Yeah, definitely. That was nice. It was it was nice, and I think it's really poignant to have that message delivered by someone who wasn't yeah. No, yeah. from here, you uh, know? Yeah. To be like, this is an ideal that I came here to to live for and you can't throw it away which to be fair at the very beginning of this movie he was willing to throw it away <laughs> so <laughs> I mean let's not be a hypocrite or well I think the argument is that you know like they mentioned the that hour. the prosecution <laughs> set up a good argument but it's always comes down to the fact that it's like well that's because he didn't have 
a, uh, a lawyer rather who was able to pick up and poke these holes in this argument and instead it kind of falls on the yeah. jury and uh you know i've actually never had jury duty i've been called and didn't end up getting selected um I kind of want to do it. I, I, you know, I think it's a really interesting thing, and I, I think it's a. <laughs> can you, you can volunteer. Um, I just think it's, yeah, you can. Do you still get out of work though if it's voluntary? <laughs> huh? I said, do you still get out of work if it's voluntary? They don't have to pay yeah. you, so I'm sure that's probably. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I was unaware. Well, of the that. court pays you. But either way, yeah, I just think it's paid. a really interesting yeah, thing because either. I. Definitely in today's world. You know, I think we've always had a problem of the civilians being so removed from the things happening around them that you don't think about it. But I think it gets worse with things like social media that continue to push on because it's so easy to be disconnected from all but the online versions of people that I think it really forces people to change their perspective and the way they look at the world. The only problem with that is is it's scary because even this movie kind of makes it look like even in 57, it's like, you know, this might have been, this random chance jury might have been the only group of people that could have gotten this potentially not guilty person an actual not guilty verdict. Whereas, you know, they mentioned another jury, he'd have no luck. Um, I found that to be just really interesting and it makes me think about like, you know, even now times I'd be so worried that if something actually came up and I knew I was innocent, but you give me a jury of my peers, it's kind of an interesting thing. You've got to put a lot of faith in your peers and you know, if you look at the people going around you, it's, it's sometimes hard to be like, if here's 12 people around me, do I trust the judgment of these 12 people enough to really look at this and push and try and get facts and even if it's not something that they got within the trial to try and discern these things amongst themselves it's a big ask yeah yeah no definitely um yeah i guess i don't have too much more to say i think the thing is this movie is a classic but like we've said multiple times it is strictly dialogue you know yeah so there's not too much unless so actually there's one more thing we can talk about were there any scenes that anyone didn't like what didn't you like about this movie i can't think of a scene you know, honestly i, I don't know that i can either okay. i can tell you about something that i thought would have been funny and it would have never happened whenever sure uh, go ahead whenever juror seven leaves the bathroom and juror eight is still in there yeah and then we see juror five come in and be like hey you know at least i'm not at work uh he's sweating <clears throat> and i was laughing because the way yeah. he was like hey you, you know we could just uh turn this whole thing guilty you know uh and, and just let it go i had this <coughs> thing in my mind of like what a fucking twist it would be if he was actually the one who killed the dad <laughs> He's over here trying to like convince Juror Eight, like, let the fuck off, man. I'm fucking getting away with it, bro. Like, mm-hmm. not only did I kill the man and get yeah. away with it, I got jury duty for it. So no one would ever think it was me. <laughs> well, you know what's wild? I guess I can go on this tangent because the episode's going to be a little short. There's the serial killer, Ed Edwards, who used to um, kill people. And then go to the trials. Uh, he would plant evidence on other people, and then go to the trials of the people that he got wrongfully convicted. Holy shit. And there's this wild theory where you can see him in the background of making a murderer, 
So people think Holy that he shit. set up Stephen Avery. <laughs> yeah. See, it's funny that the Stephen Avery thing is really interesting to watch, but it's kind of full of what you were talking about. Like even a documentary is being kind of fancied up to be like, well, we've mm-hmm. got to show this and this, and we got to show scenes that look like we're yeah. recreating. Yeah. That's why I never watched it. It is very I never watched good, it either. but. No matter what you do in this modern age, mm. it's so hard to trust that it's being given any kind of objective eye because it's all about entertainment and it's whatever they can do to entertain you. That doesn't necessarily mean the people behind the camera also think he's innocent, but the big pull here in the long run, even if it's not the people behind the camera, if it's the people at Netflix who are in control of how the editing goes, they're trying to make something that pulls you towards the side. And while we're talking about these kind of things, I yeah. think one of the most interesting things I've ever seen, and I think it's it's very childish and stupid and immature, but funny. Have any of you guys seen the mockumentary series that Netflix did? The American Vandal series? Oh, I've Dude, heard of it. I never watched it. And it's, it's everything that <laughs> making a murderer is, but but parody i mean it's it's all about spoofing the way that these things go and it's very funny yeah. it's what it's about penises right what's up basically you know i mean yeah penises. there's two different seasons <laughs> the two seasons are very different the first one is that somebody spray painted dicks all over a car of a teacher <laughs> uh, and then the other one is that someone put some stuff in the in the lemonade or horchata or something at the uh, school cafeteria and everybody shit their pants and it was called the brownout (laughs) i i promise (laughs) you watch it and you will fucking die laughing but at the same time as much as you'll laugh Mm. you kind of have the feeling of like but i feel like this is exactly what real life shit is like this because everybody just starts being like the court of public opinion is something that people bring up all the time. It's just like a phrase, but it really does mean something. When you look and it's like, you know, the court that people actually get tried in looks like it's more and more likely to become similar to the court of public opinion. And social media has made that just crazy. Whereas if you look at the exact case in this movie yeah. and you put it up, there'd be people tweeting left and right. Well, he didn't do it. What about this? What about this? And talk about shit that just didn't even matter. Then you'd have people like Juror 3 mm-hmm. who would just be like, no, he, he did it. Throw out all the other evidence. Well, we've proved that evidence wrong. Well, what about all the other evidence? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I did like when he would say shit like that. I don't know. It, um, the, yeah, the social media age is definitely, it definitely hinders a lot of this stuff. You, you look at stuff like fucking, uh, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, where Johnny Depp was clearly the abuser. Abused. He's the one who got fired from his movie. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck Amber Heard. That is the stance of midweek you just said he was Hashtag the fuck Amber Heard. <laughs> yeah, I okay. corrected myself. I, I didn't hear you. But. He didn't catch me correcting, but I did. Maybe it didn't catch <laughs> at all, but yeah. You meant that Johnny Depp was abused. He was abused. the abuser. <laughs> but yeah. Uh-oh. Fuck Amber Heard. Fuck Her. Amber Heard. Heard that? <clears throat> I will say, though. though, this movie... Um, it's really it brings up like one of like the biggest things that I'm torn on like and I guess I guess it's politics because it seems like there's sides to this debate, but like just death penalty in general. Like mm-hmm. there are very much people that deserve to like fucking die, but at the same time, if like one person is innocent and gets put to death, I feel like it's a shitty system. I don't know. Like I'm really just fucking torn on it because like all they had to do was walk in and jurate, be like, "Yeah, guilty," and then that kid's dead. Yeah, no, and that's a big thing. And 
you know um but the, and again the the moral dilemma there it was brought up in this movie of maybe he did do it what if he did do it and you're getting him out you know um so i mean it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's sure. always the case and that's what I it is is you've got to weigh the good against the bad and say you know if it's let someone go free or murder the wrong person i feel like i would see i think well i think it comes down to not letting people go free yet right i I would say the way that a lot of states because the death penalty is not given out nearly as often as it once was but a a big part of it comes down to the only other thing you can really do is give them life sentence and if you give them life sentence well now they become and I'm, i'm just saying this in the cleanest of ways they become a tax burden. They become something that you have to continuously have people, and then that means that the prison population continues well, to grow. it costs grow. more for people to be on huh? death row. It costs more for someone to be on death row why than is life that? in prison. I mean, that's a, that's a genuine question. I'm not saying you're wrong, but why is that? I mean, it does. I don't know the answer. But I wonder why that is. I mean, that doesn't... Unless it's because they're doing lethal injections now. I think it's just more security. More security. They're higher like and they're yeah. more dangerous Maybe. criminals. Yeah. Like, I don't know the exact details, but... I'm like 99% sure that's true. No, you are 100%. Interesting. I thought so, but now he's making No, I'm like, just, I was myself. curious if you knew why, <laughs> since you knew that that was the, the stat so quickly. I was hoping. You <clears> it's just why. something I've always like heard and read about, sure. like in true crime and well, that's stuff odd. like that. I think the problem with death row and the reason people, people, I think the problem with death row specifically, you know, I have my opinion on it. I don't necessarily feel like talking about it, which I guess tells you my opinion. But, um, I think the thing with death row is it's they, people end up there for mm. thirty years, right? So at a certain point, it's like, what's the what's the fucking point? Yeah, you know. And I did look up like how someone gets sentenced to death, and I don't know when it changed or if it changed because we were talking about kind of how it's different in this movie than mm-hmm. current day. And so yeah. as of now, and it it probably varies by state, obviously as well. There might be more laws per each different state, but. Yeah. Basically, you go to two trials. So you go to trial, and then you find out if you're mm-hmm. guilty or not. And then you yeah, go to a you... trial to find out if you're going to get life mm. or death penalty. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like this movie makes it seem of like, oh, he's either going to die or he's going to walk free. Or at least it's not now. It may yeah. have been back then. Yeah, and uh, and then you automatically get an appeal on that anyway, so... yeah. And that's another thing that costs a lot is the amount of appeals. You get more appeals Which when you're on death row. Makes sense because you need to know for sure that you know. Yeah. And and we were talking about making a murder, and that's what I think so many people are tied to is that. And it's funny that they're called appeals because what you're you know when you think about the people who are watching this, you're appealing to the the humanity and people and being like, but what if he didn't do it? And that is a that is a good yeah. serious question. And I'm actually, you know, since it's kind of all out there, I'm somewhere in between. I think that there are times where I think it makes sense. Um, I think our prison system is very odd, and I don't think it's as much towards reform as it should be, uh, and that's a shame. But because of that, it does feel like you're just mm-hmm. putting people in jail forever. And at some point, it, you have to ask the question of you know how sustainable is that? Uh, at what point are you just keeping someone who is a you know, as someone who is mentally unstable and it all comes down. And I think some people 
land like oh well it depends on the crime if it's this crime and they deserve this and i mean you know it, it depends i think i've heard people say crazy stuff out there like yeah. well you know if uh, if he rapes somebody his punishment should be what he got you know, what he did so he should get raped it's crazy stuff what? I, no i'm not necessarily saying they mean legally people's mind lean there so if you think about why people probably started with the death penalty it's probably the most basic thing of you took a life you took the you made a decision to take a life after we've proved without a reasonable doubt that you've taken a life uh why do you deserve a life you know i mean and if we let you go yeah. or if we even put you in prison you know you have another opportunity <laughs> if you kill to kill a child else. then we will kill your children <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> boy i mean uh, i don't know i guess i straight up have absolutely i have no, no problem, problem with, with it in so. terms of like it, it happens and exists and i think that there's a good reason why it should exist but like blake said i, I think that you never completely escape the moral dilemma of well with all that does mean that there's a chance that one person who didn't deserve it gets yeah. it and I, you know and that's why i like watching the green sure, mile and there's so also the chance that heart, you you know it tugs on your heartstrings because of that very reason sure yeah the um i the one that kind of flipped me like the most was like the west memphis three case you, you know that one chris yes and like just oh this kid wears all black and has like a metallica poster he obviously killed these three kids <laughs> and he's like on death row yeah. they let him out eventually but still like that kind of shit happens probably more than we know and it just terrifies me that we're like the state is just killing people that you know could be set up or whatever I don't know I guess this is gonna make me sound bad but I fall kind of the exact opposite of you where I would rather and this is very um i guess situational but i would rather let I, I would be more worried about letting a murderer go free than an innocent person we keep saying that but really it's just are they going to live in jail for the rest of their life or are they going to die right i think life in yeah. prison is a worse sentence than death like if i was a murderer i'd rather be put to death than <laughs> i agree spend life in prison so honestly like just me personally like yeah give me the fucking death sentence, <laughs> can you give you know that I mean? to the jurors so like that's not really a punishment <laughs> i see I, I almost wonder about that because to me i feel like knowing the exact date and time you're gonna get is borderline <laughs> psychological torture yeah that's fair too, you know for sure which I feel like for the first 30 years of your bid, you're like, all right, whatever. And then you're a week away and you're like, fuck, man, I got to count down. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fucking uh, New Year's Eve ball just slowly dropping in your prison cell. Just pay a different prisoner. Like, here's a thousand bucks. Shank me at random time. <laughs> like, just pick a time. It could be a year from now. It could be five years from now. It could be tomorrow. Just kill me. <laughs> that way, at least it's like a. I don't know that it's. Listen coming. here. Money's no use to you. Fine. I'll suck your dick. <laughs> yeah, I, I could use money. Depending on the prison, they might not even be provided with like toilet paper and shit. Oh. Wild. Okay. Um, well, you know what? This is. Uh, I got to say, yeah, Chris. Know, really good pick this it's it's funny yes. that you said something about blake because i do get the feeling like oh this is totally something blake would have picked um so it's interesting yeah. that we end up that way but you know well i love the the thing that made me laugh when i decided to pick it was we make the joke about blake kind of having the more pretentious um especially compared to me i five-starred twilight so blake <laughs> having the more uh pretentious taste in movies it's funny to me that i picked 
objectively the only classic we've watched and no, the no. oldest movie. <laughs> I think Scarface is an objective classic. <laughs> not in the same way. It is not on the AFI top 250 narrative movies. I would argue that in a lot of ways it impacted (laughs) movies just as much, if not even, and culture outside of everything, just as much, if not more than 12 Angry Men. If if we're going to have that argument, I would say 12, you're right, and Scarface helped movies for the worst. I mean, arguably. (laughs) I mean, we did Nightmare on Elm Street, Do the Right Thing. I mean, I gave... Do I? I only gave do whatever. I didn't like Nightmare on Elm Street nearly enough to even pretend it's anywhere close to a classic. It's a horror classic. Well, yeah, that's but what I mean, yeah, horror movies are genre. almost unilaterally pretty bad. <laughs> oh, whatever. Compared oh, to this, the horror, horror movies are on an entirely different scale, in my opinion. When you rate movies, I mean, it just depends on what kind of horror movie, but sure. I guess I don't know. I don't think if, if find me a horror movie anywhere narratively as dense as this. Bliss. You know what I mean? That's my <laughs> fuck that movie. That is objectively the worst movie I've what ever movie? seen in my fucking life. <laughs> what the fuck ever? Bliss. Bliss, <laughs> Bliss sucks, dude. Hey, I think I think The Witch is up there. It's obviously way too new to be a classic, so I'm not calling it that. But I think one day that will be up there. I can see that. I also don't think the witch. Well, I guess we weren't talking about horror movies, but um, anyways, I don't know. Sorry. More. I was just making more or less. I would think it's funny that I picked the oldest movie out of the, out of us. Yeah. Um, and then we went decided decided to give you some shit about your movies. Anyway, I think that will do it on this more or less focused episode of Midweek Matinee. You show did. You pick guys me. can be the judge of that. Oh, well, hey guys, I think I want to call the hung jury. Brett, I'll do what I please. want. I do want to say one thing real quick. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Um, we were going to watch the movie Stalker. <laughs> and I watched <laughs> yes, that oh, yes. you can have three your, uh... hour fucking movie. It's atrocious. I fucking Why? hated it. It was one of the most dreadfully boring Do you think that I've someone on the other end right now is repeating our line from the beginning of the movie? Is, I don't want to hear Blake's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Because that's the thing. It's fun. That movie is what, like seven or maybe I think it's actually in the 20s of that list that we're both trying to go through a little bit. So, Well, even without that, just like it's world renowned as like one of the best science fiction movies ever. No, it's fucking it's three hours of like nonsensical conversations about like philosophy and death and whatever. Like it's just fucking boring, man. And the shots linger way too long. Fucking lingers, man. I don't know. <laughs> Just bad. Okay. So God I, I just I want to say one, one thing. Uh Beyonce like had one of the best music one out of videos of all time. <laughs> I don't know why the way that Blake went about saying that just felt like a hey, 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 hold up. I'ma let you finish. <laughs> <laughs> Stalker is one of the worst well, movies of all time. <laughs> I did promise people that you would say your piece on stalkers i really uh, don't have a lot to say about it except that i really fucking hated it and i also know that i am in the very very tiny minority on that so yeah you know grain of salt you may love it if you decide to watch it 
I watched very little of it, but I, I think it was like an hour. So <laughs> very little watched an hour, but, um, I liked it. So I really liked the first 20 or so minutes when it's kind of like that sepia tone. Yeah. So I'll tell you right now, I guess we, we might have to cut this, but is the zone just a military zone or is there something science fiction about it? Like, is it like a, they're going to another place? It's like, there's another, no, no, it's not like another realm or anything. So oh, nothing really fucking happens. The entire movie, he's like, don't, don't walk off paths because the, it'll kill you. But then he walks huh. off path and nothing fucking happens. And then they get to the room they're supposed to be going to and like water's dripping from the ceiling and then it cuts and they're like back at their town at the bar. Jesus. It's like, what the fuck was any of this? I don't understand any of it, but you know, world renowned. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Brett. How would you feel about I feel ending fantastic this show? about it? Wait, wait, Blake. What's your rating? A stalker. <laughs> Bo- give me stalker and twelve right. angry men. I said stalker. And already, the stalkers. Said it too quietly. All right, stalker. One out of five. Yes. Twelve angry men. A whopping five. All right, out and what about twelve angry stalkers? <laughs> yep. Two and a half gotcha. out of five. Meet in the middle. What about twelve angry Spider Men? Three and a half out of five. What about Spider Man into the Spider Verse? I honestly don't remember what I rated it, so I'm just gonna go off my instincts, just thinking about what I thought of the movie. Bullshit! A three and a half out of five. Fucking bullshit! This is why we didn't have Blake on that episode. This is why we didn't have Blake on <laughs> that episode. This score. fucking insane fuck? person. Fucking. That's a bad score for a perfect movie. <laughs> Brett, fi- uh, five out of five. Man, go. Five out of five for me, too. Another Hot clean damn. sweep for Chris. That's two, baby. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Uh, Brett, My what are you pick picking for next week? week? It's going to surprise you, I think. <clears throat> I, I hate his name, not because so of that name, but because I don't know how to say it. Anyway, uh, the director. Daniel Villanueva. Enemy. enemy. Yes. How Nailed did it. you know that? Woo! Hold on. I do want because to you said Daniel Daniel Villanueva, and there's only like two movies he's ever done <laughs> that I know. Fair of. enough. <laughs> Good pick, though. I, I do want it's to see enemy. that. Enemy. I heard it's the enemy, enemy, and it's uh, it was after Prisoners, oh, and yeah. it's another Jake Gyllenhaal movie with him. So really, I, yeah. I've been wanting to see it as I like I every movie I've seen that he's done. So. I want to see because nice, my, yeah. my thing so, here I'm is that if I can that. get all of his movies where I know that I've liked everyone that he's done up to Dune, my chances that Dune will actually be a fantastic movie or my my inner hope continues to build with every movie I watch that he does well in. But you never know. So I think he's the best director out right now. So He's one Bold. of them for sure. Arrival, I have two things. Arrival is his best movie that I've seen. Haven't seen Enemy or a couple of his other ones, but Arrival's fucking phenomenal. Also, oh, I, I went on Letterboxd to look at my Spider-Verse rating, and at the time, I gave it a four and a half, so obviously time has not been friendly to that movie for you me. You didn't watch it again, so how do you know that's true? It's just your memory. Your memory's failed you. I that's would, what it is. I w- that's what I'm saying. My memory, like, my memory of the movie has lessened my enjoyment of the movie. I would I would like to repeat 
This is why we did not. We took advantage it's of Blake not being four and on a half. Episode. Not good. I mean, no wrong, dude. If we did an episode and you said <laughs> no. four and a half, I'm, I, that's much better. I won't call bullshit. I don't. I mean, it's fine. I think that movie is yeah. objectively a five out of five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any chance it's not even. But it's not a five. I will at five. least land that four out of four and a half out of five is pretty fucking close. So. I only gave it a four and a half and not a five because it looks like shit. Um, so. that, uh, see, that's more of that Blake Shut bullshit. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm kicking Blake right now. I'm kicking hey, him. Hey, Blake, in, in three to five How days, check him? that UPS package because whenever you open it, you're going to get fucking kicked. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah. I don't get kicked that. him. Anime. All right, end the show. Go check that out. Watch that. Join us next week here on Midweek Matinee. And remember, you can listen to the show every Wednesday, hence why it's called Midweek Matinee. You can find us over on social media on Twitter at Matinee underscore Midweek and on Facebook and Instagram at Midweek Matinee. Uh, very simple. Sadly, some other people beat us to it on Twitter. We're going to beat them up one of these days and take it back. But beat them up with kind words and maybe lawyers <laughs> if we ever get the money to do so. <laughs> um yeah but if you Blake I invited you back but you're not allowed to speak <laughs> no you kicked me so I'm interrupting Brett every time he talks I mean I can kick you again <laughs> I have control I am the leader of Zencaster thank you anyway Brett please continue you, so. anyway <laughs> if you want to check us out individually on social media you can also find uh, Mr. Blake the Interrupter Popes over on Twitter at Popes underscore Blake underscore hey. nine two. Let me know if I said that wrong, but I think that's right. You can find Chris at F I G Z two one K over on Twitter. You can find me every week and sometimes Chris once a month over on Triangle Squared, a PlayStation Ooh. podcast. And Chris specifically joins me on our spoiler chats episodes where we take a game and do it kind of like this show, kind of go in depth about everything about the game that we did and didn't like and kind of talk about everything at large story gameplay mechanics and everything so go check that out if you like video games but remember if you want to support this show with more than just your time which we are always so grateful for head over to our patreon at nartech or patreon.com slash nartech rather and consider giving as little as a dollar per month it helps the show out a lot and it gets you access to these episodes early typically holidays mess that up a little bit but you know we're all human and we all have families and lives so chris thank you for editing as much as you can with all the weird stuff going on appreciate you and i know everyone else does as well yeah anyway the last thing that we do with our patrons is every episode that we do across any of the nartech shows is give a shout out to all of our patrons until we just get to where there's too many of them to do so thankfully we aren't there yet so i can give a shout out to kyle Grimm, josh jarrell matthew green my name is dan luke bartolomeo sean santarude funk turkey danny villiobos Corey hickerson blake popes kevin bacon bits shadowist eric McAllister, steven salazar the stonard rich constantly kenny solitary red chris figs zachary sawyer landis rude days 93 Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Jason Clendenning, and last but certainly not least, Mr. Richard Schaefer. Thank you guys, and we hope you'll come back and join us next week when we talk about uh, <laughs> uh Enemy. <laughs> <laughs>